listening to Open Mic Friday, Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. But because we're not in the studio, we're either dealing with emails from individuals or phone calls we received. Uh, Today is July the 24th in the year of our Lord, 2020. And yesterday with Wes Reimnitz, we were talking about another worship nightmare. Uh, Perhaps you haven't been on board what we're talking about here. There is a program you can see on YouTube called Kitchen Nightmares. It's about a chef who goes into restaurants that are failing and points out the many things that need to be corrected from better cooks, better food, uh, a better location, uh, better surroundings, and so forth. And it's really very interesting, although there is some swearing in the program as people get mad at him and vice versa. Well, I was thinking about that, and it suddenly hit me There's such a thing called worship nightmares. What is a worship nightmare? It is when a a pastor uh, visits a congregation and finds out that the worship material is a nightmare to God himself. And therefore, there are a lot of things to correct in worship nightmares. Uh, Last week, we talked about hymns written by homosexuals that give the impression that God created them that way. It's not their fault that they're living an immoral lifestyle. That's the way God created them, and therefore it is good how they live. Well, that would be a worship nightmare from God's point of view. Yesterday, we talked about how a lot of parables are misunderstood by pastors in their preaching, and they become a worship nightmare. Now, how can they be misunderstood? They're in the Bible. Well, the fact of the matter is, uh, a parable, and Wes Reimnitz sent me more information on this that I'm going to share with you right now. We had made a distinction between parables that talk about the kingdom of God here on earth. That's the Holy Christian Church. And every man's parables, those are parables that are simply telling how the Christian in the life of sanctification works. A similar distinction is parables are stories that reveal how God is inaugurating his heavenly reign on earth through Jesus. Uh, For example, the parable of the lost sheep shows how Jesus is the one who is responsible for finding us who are lost, picking us up, and carrying us home. And that parable is about how Jesus picks up our sins, becomes a sinner himself, and carries them to the cross. The other kinds of parables are stories Jesus teaches about how disciples should live 
in view of being a member of the Holy Christian Church, being part of the kingdom of God. A good example of that is the parable, and it's called a parable, where Jesus talks about that the self-righteous people, when they go to a wedding, they like to sit in the best seats. But then somebody comes to them and says, someone more worthy than you has arrived, and they need to be in your seat, and you're taken down to a lower seat. Now, there are a large number of parables. Uh, Wes Reimnitz sent me a list of 55 parables, and they're in the Old Testament, and they're also in the New Testament. But here's the point that I want to make today. What makes a parable difficult to understand? Two things. Parables are extended metaphors. In other words, you may make a metaphor and people don't know what you're talking about. Like, you may say something, I have a good friend and he is just like a tree. Well, what does that mean? Does he have a lot of leaves? Has he got branches? Is he in the ground? What does that mean? And so it needs to be explained. And that's the main problem with the parables of the Bible. They need to be decoded. Now, sometimes Jesus does the decoding. But I can't find a place in the Bible where Jesus does the decoding except for believers. Now, why is that important? That is important is because parables were spoken even by the prophets. That's in Hosea 12, verse 10. And Jesus explains in Matthew 13, verse 13, why he speaks in parables. Why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. He said nothing to them without a parable. And the next verse, verse 35 of Matthew 13, this fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Now, to whom did Jesus explain the parables? He explained them to his disciples, to believers. Uh, Mark 4, verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Now, now we know that it wasn't just the twelve apostles that were with Jesus. Others followed and listened to him and believed him. Remember when Judas committed suicide... 
they had to choose a 12th member uh, to be part of the 12 apostles. And that was somebody who had been with Jesus kind of from the beginning in his preaching. So he says to them in Mark 4:11, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Now, that's really important because sometimes Jesus decoded the parables. Remember, there's a parable about the wheat and the tares. Uh, I, uh, the, the word tares often is translated as the weed, but, but that, I think, can become a problem when you look at the original language. Because in this parable, Jesus talks about a farmer who sows good seed, but then when the harvest come, there is weed. And the folks who are talking to Jesus, who are working on the farm, say, should we go out and collect the weed and separate it? And Jesus says, no, lest you also uproot the wheat. Now, that doesn't make sense to us, because most farmers know the difference between a wheat and a weed. And that's why the word is tares instead of weeds. Uh, the original is actually darnell. What's a darnell? It is a weed that looks like a wheat when it is young. And it's not till the harvest, then the fruit on the darnell becomes black. And now you can tell the difference between a weed, namely the darnell, and the wheat. And then Jesus says an interpretation of this parable. He decodes it for the disciples. It's in Matthew 13, verse 37 to 40. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed, now in a previous parable, the good seed was the word of God. But in this parable, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. And the tares, namely those weeds, are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. Do you see how Jesus decodes the parable for us? But he doesn't do that in every parable. And so there are some parables that people really get wrong because they don't have a proper understanding of law and gospel. I really believe law and gospel is the way to decode the parables. I'll give you an example. 
In Luke 15, there's a lost sheep. Shepherd goes out, finds it, puts it on his shoulders, carries it home. I can't believe how many commentators talk about that we Christians are to go out to find the lost sheep. No, that is not how we bring a person into the church. You want to know how we bring people into the church? We do so according to Matthew 28, baptizing them and teaching them all things whatsoever Jesus has commanded us. That's really important to understand. What is the parable of the lost sheep about then? To decode it, any time a parable is talking about the kingdom of God here on earth, the Holy Christian Church, how it comes about, the main character is always Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd in the parable of the lost sheep. He's the one who finds the lost sheep, puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing, carrying it home. In fact, that word rejoice is found in the book of Hebrews. It's in this passage. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus despised the shame and went the way of the cross. That's why we find that the day of the crucifixion is called Good Friday. Now, sometimes a parable not only needs to be decoded, but the purpose is to bring the law against someone who's hearing the parable. Now, at first, they don't understand this, but that's the intention. Uh, One of the best examples of that is the parable that Nathan told King David. Remember? There was a man who had a little lamb that he loved a lot. The lamb would sleep with him, be next to his breast. Well, the owner of the farm took that lamb, killed it, and served it to a guest that he was having. What was David's reaction to that? He got very angry, and he said, Bring that man here who killed the lamb, and I will put him to death for what he has done against that individual by stealing his pet lamb. Now, what David didn't realize is the lamb that Nathan was talking about that had slept with David was Bathsheba. The parable is all about that David had stolen a man's wife. He had slept with her. In fact, she even got pregnant. And therefore, the parable was a denunciation of what David had done. And when Nathan explained that, thou art the man, David, then 
David repented. I know I am the man. I have done evil. And it was at that point that the law had done its work so Nathan could then talk about the gospel. Don't worry about it. You will not die eternally in hell. Your sin has been forgiven. So a lot of times the Pharisees had parables spoken against them, but they really didn't know that much about the fact that it was spoken against them. In fact, Mark 12, verse 12, does say that because of Jesus' teachings, the unbelieving Pharisees and scribes wanted to arrest him, but they feared the people. Now, here's the reason they feared the people. For they perceived that he told the parable against them. Now, one such parable, of course, was he told a parable to those who were invited to the wedding feast when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. And then he told them the parable because, guess what? They were not being humble and they could be asked to take a lower chair. Now, that is a parable about every man. It's talking about how we are to act as people of God in the kingdom of God, uh, to humble ourselves. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we ought to have better situations than those who are not Christians. So it's really important that when a congregation calls a pastor, one of the things I would ask the pastor, and by the way, when I was a calling pastor given by the district president in a congregation, I would never ask those who we were considering as to be called whether they would accept the call because that would get back to their congregation. Uh, I've always said you don't ask a pastor that you might call whether you would be open to a call, because if members of his congregation find out, he said yes to that. No, you can ask him questions about his theology, but any pastor who's asked the question, are you open for a call, should say no to that if they already have a call. I had a call to three congregations, and I declined two of them. But when asked, would I be open for a call, I always said no, because I had a call to the congregation I was at. I, I never know whether I will take a call or not until I actually received the call. So the point I'm trying to make here is one of the things you can do is take an interpretation of a parable that Jesus himself may decode or others that you have heard and see what the pastor says. Uh, one of my favorite parables is going to be the one for this coming Sunday. 
It's all about a man who finds treasure in the field, sells all that he has in order to buy that field. If the pastor you're interviewing says, well, the meaning of that parable is the kingdom of God is so precious to a Christian that we are willing to give up everything in order to be in that kingdom. That is a false notion. Why is it a false notion? Because you cannot give God anything to earn your way or merit your way into the kingdom of God. This parable is not about what we are to do in order to get into the kingdom of God. The, the parable is all about Jesus. Jesus who looks to you as his treasure. In fact, Jesus refers to the believers as a treasure in last week's uh, Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy. So, there's no doubt that parables are really great insights into how God thinks. And there's two ways to interpret a parable. You either interpret it according to your old Adam and think that the parable is all about me and what I am to do in order to get into the kingdom of God. No, there, there are parables that do tell you how you are to act once you are in the kingdom of God, but there's no parable that gives any insight as to what you are to do by your own power to get into the kingdom of God. All the kingdom of God parables are about what Jesus has done to get you into the kingdom of God. And so a parable, some say, is an imaginary story that illustrates some spiritual truth. And that would be true about kingdom of God parables. But a parable is really doing a comparison between something that everyone is aware of and some other point that you would want to make. Like saying, I have a good friend and he's just like a tree. Well, the first question you're going to ask is, how is he like a tree? Maybe he's solid. He's stalwart. You can always know that he will not leave. I mean, there can be many reasons for that, and that needs to be decoded. So when you hear a pastor doing preaching on a parable, listen very closely as to the decoding of that parable. Uh, Wes Reimnitz sent me a list of parables in the scripture, 55 of them. Now, a number of them were from the Old Testament, uh, many of them from what we call the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, according to this article, there was only one parable found in the Gospel of John, and that's describing Jesus as the good shepherd. A lot of the parables 
about our daily life in the church are found in the Gospel of Luke. But then other parables are about the kingdom of God here on earth. And what are we talking about? We're talking about something that had been done with the story of Israel. If you look in the Old Testament, there's the history of Israel. But it needed interpretation to be properly understood. Now, the new Israel is a holy Christian church. And therefore, when Jesus was speaking parables, he was explaining the true meaning of the holy Christian church on earth. That's the purpose of parables. And it wasn't meant for those who were not believers, but the coding took place or decoding for those who were believers. Join me on Monday for Monday's Law and Gospel when we'll take a look at the readings for this coming following Sunday and see if there's anything that we can explain to you. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.